Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Um, guess who's back? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Um, so yeah, uh, sorry I wasn't here last week, but Josh did a hell of a job. Grateful for that guy filling in for me. Um, thank you, Josh. Um, yeah, so last week we had um, my my daughter's daycare had a couple COVID cases. So, so we, uh, so I wasn't around because I had to. Super dad, and um, but what was so awesome was is just getting some one-on-one -on -one time with Minnie. We had such a good time, and uh, she is a hoot, my daughter. So that was really great. So yeah, we had a great time, and uh, Zoe made a good, good. Uh, Made a good, noticed something good. Um, observation, made a good observation is that sometimes like Galatians might be good for us to sit <laughs> for a week with some of this Galatian stuff too and kind of let it sit in. I like you guys are all greeting your neighbors. Uh, that's cool. So yeah, I was, uh... yeah man, this COVID thing. And I, I think those of you who are parents get it when it's, it's just like, ugh, what's next? When is this going to just stop? Um, it's been, uh, been crazy, you know, and then everybody's politicizes it, which really makes everything really even more fun. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's been cool. Things have been good. Um, so two weeks ago when we did Galatians 2, I was in, uh, which I was really glad I got to redo it because I think it came out better the second time. I should maybe do my talks twice. Um, I was out in LA uh, hanging out with my buddy Pete. I got to see uh, Steve Peters when I was there. I got to see Christy G. I got to see a bunch of friends. And uh, that was nice to go out there, but also just relax, get some sunshine and... Um, yeah, so good, good times. Um, but yeah, so here's the, the the big scoop. The big scoop today is that I have decided to try to give up Diet Coke. I know, and it's pretty hard because I um, my last Diet Coke was Friday morning when I right before I dropped the kids off. Um, so I, I I'm I have like five days kid free right now. Um, they're with their mom. And so I've decided to uh, try to get off the Diet Coke. And man, I, I have no idea what they put in that stuff. I mean, I know what they put in it because I've been drinking it. I've been drinking Diet Coke since I was probably 10 years old, since it probably came out, you know. And um, so... Um, yeah... And I know I've had some dental stuff because of it. 
you know, I tried to blame the smoking, but honestly, the Diet Coke was, has been more in my life ever than cigarettes ever were. Um, like, so yeah, I'm, I'm really trying. It's tough. I was in bed all day yesterday because I, my body was so used, you know, I never thought that the Diet Coke caffeine did anything for me. And I was like, oh wait, it did. So I've been drinking some iced tea, a little iced tea, going back to my Southern roots and uh, trying to balance it out. But uh, drank some Coke Zero here or there, but it kind of gives my stomach, get a little stomach ache from the Coke Zero. So anyhow, there you go. Slow and steady wins the race, you know, an aspirin a day keeps the, the, uh, the Diet Coke shakes away. So if I'm not as sharp today, <laughs> yeah, the Diet Coke, I'm trying to cancel the Diet Coke, but um, it's tough too because it's so tied to my mother because my mother was a Diet Coke addict as well, so I felt like I was falling into the family addiction and... Uh, but yeah, it's probably best that I don't uh, drink Diet Coke. So I'm going to try. I'm not saying next week you're not going to see me going, but I'll keep you up to date on the, uh, the Diet Coke challenge. Um, also, now you'll, there'll be plenty of Diet Coke out there for you to drink because um, I won't be t drinking at all. So anyhow. There you go with that. Um, so those are the things I wanted to bring up to you guys. Is just like, thanks for making a, uh, thanks for being a part of a community where I can be a father and make that a priority, and uh, also share my, my diet, my diet Coke uh, withdrawals. Someone said Diet Pepsi. Laugh out loud. No way. I did drink a Diet Pepsi. Uh, I think I had one yesterday because I was like, needed something to take the edge off, but. I feel like if I just drink something I don't like to take the edge off, then it's okay. Anyhow. Um, so there you go. Didn't really work, by the way. It lasted for about five minutes. I was like, oh, I feel good. And then, poof. So one day they're going to find out that they put just a little bit of crack in there or just a little bit of heroin inside the Diet Coke. Now, I better not say that because I don't want Diet Coke to sue me. Um, especially since their stock's probably going to go down because of my loss of... My, my, losing me as a customer. Um, I apologize if that throws off the whole, everybody's, you know, throws off the whole system, American financial system. Um, we're going to do Galatians 3 today. And what I like about Galatians 3 is um, it kind of bookends with fire. You know, it's like, boom and then it kind of ends with boom and then in the middle is kind of like trying to explain what's going on and 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 explain the law and explain all this stuff and you kind of get this technical thing kind of in between that we'll look at but i like the way it pops in the beginning and the end and i think we'll all probably think maybe it's harsh i know when i did this last year there was some pushback i know when i did it the year before there was some pushback um and that's okay um and, it, and what's really cool is uh when I was in LA, Pete had recommended that I had recommended me to this podcast um, to be on because he was doing this, he's talking about the death of God theology uh, or philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And so they were like, hey, you know anybody else who could 
talk about this. He goes, oh, Jay. And I'm like, me, I don't know anything. I don't know much about the death of God. I mean, I know like Tillich, but Tillich's kind of like the precursor to those guys, to like Altizer and all that stuff. Anyhow, I did it, but we didn't even get very far. And we never got to any death of God stuff because uh, once they realized what my uh, opinion on uh, <laughs> atonement theory was, and one of the guys is, has a doctorate in theology, but I think it's Baptist. I don't know. So we had this really crazy long conversation, um, but it kind of ended up with the idea of like, can we argue well, can we disagree well type of thing. So as soon as that comes out, I'll let you know. Um, but the Galatians got brought up in that talk as well. So we'll kind of talk about that and hit some of those areas as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it's funny cause I, I think we need a book like Galatians now more than ever. I mean, just like I've just watched like both sides of the, like the sides, this, the, 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 um, this binary thinking of, of like this side, I'm on this side and you're on this side, just watching that stuff like on like the whole thing of like uh, Neil Young versus Joe Rogan thing and watching how people are, are reacting to that. And then the funny thing is too, is then to watch how people are reacting to books being banned. And, you know, it's really wild. It's really wild and kind of a bit of irony in it, I think. Um, I can feel some of people's tempers going, oh, no, Jay, but, 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 but I'm just saying it's, it's kind of the irony of, uh, of a lot of this stuff because there's so much. I, I decided to try to go like on a deep dive on some of this stuff, you know, and you start to see everybody's. Uh, it kept reminding me of that, that, that verse where Paul says, all fall short of a glorious standard, you know, or stuff like all sin, you know, even original sin, because what, what the reason I thought about that is because I looked at it and like nobody is, is perfect or innocent in this, in this type of do, this, this, this two-sided situation, because you look at both sides and you go like, you know, well, where does the money for Spotify go? That's not, that's probably more concerning than, than what Joe Rogan's saying. <laughs> and then you go like, oh, but then where does the money for half the, Half, half of Neil Young's music go to who owns his music and you start looking at that and you go oh well, that's really even more concerning and then making the Apple Corporation some kind of a hero that's even concerning I'm going like and, I, and it's one of those things where we just want to make these black and white judgments and the, the like binary thinking and um, <laughs> and and nobody Nobody's, nobody's clean here, you know? You could just continue to go down a rabbit hole. And, and you go, oh, I think that's the problem with like us like virtue signaling today and, and trying to like, you know, it's good for us to speak up, but don't let yourself get step up on a pedestal sometimes because with today, they, people just look into your life and go like, oh yeah, but what about this? And that's what, what's great about the contradiction of being human is that there's contradictions in our lives. 
and that we recognize that. And hopefully through recognizing that type of thing, we give each other a little bit more grace. You know, um, we, 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 we show grace to each other and, and try to, to realize that none of us are perfect and none of us have our shit together. And, um, you know, could you imagine if we held the media as accountable as, as, as we're holding podcasters accountable? You know, that would be really interesting. Um, because I've seen a, a very lazy media most of my life, um, mainstream. Um, and honestly, I, you know, I feel like I get more of my news from, I've n I never really watched Joe Rogan, so I don't know, but, but, um, from Russell Brand and, and beat the BBC and even the BBC sometimes seems to kind of go off on a weird situation. But anyway, I just wanted to say that, you know, Remember, all these issues are so complex, and there's like no secret answer. Like the other day, it was um, John Lydon's birthday, or Johnny Rotten. Some of you may know him as. I guess I'm going to get on a soapbox before we get into Galatians three. So jo join me. Um, and people were angry because he, you know, he wore a, a Trump shirt, you know, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's a fascist. No, oh, he's this and he's that." You know, I'm like, I, I've. No, I don't know him personally, but I know of John. I've read, read, read every book he's written, listened to all of his songs, read every interview he's in. I really, he's one of my heroes, but I don't agree with him on everything. Um, but the point was, is like all these people, we, we jump to these like kind of like extremes of where, and you'll see where this is going with Galatians as well. But all of a sudden, like, he represents like, oh, well, he must believe in all the bad, the worst things of this party and this person and that, that, you know what I mean? Rather than maybe he grew up working class, he grew up differently, thinking differently, didn't grow up in this country, whatever. Um, you know, it would be like saying like, you know, well, Jay, you voted for Democrats, so you must, you know, like someone who might, might be suffering from cognitive problems and loves capitalism and war. You know what I mean? It's like, I honestly, like, you know, so, so we just get, like, do any of us ever agree a lot with all these politicians or anything, even if we, like, may have supported them? I mean, a lot of you guys were like, blue no matter who, you know, and now we're kind of looking at our blue and going, like, what are they doing? You know? And, um, so anyway, I'm just saying things are more complicated than we want to make them out to be. And um, there's so many complexities and so many contradictions. And let's embrace these things and look at these things and have these tough conversations and not just throw everybody out for a t-shirt or having the wrong guest on their show or, you know, deciding to pull their music. I, I, you know what? They're all welcome to do whatever the hell they want. I'm just saying. All this, like, I, I, I saw that uh, Nikki Six and Eddie Vedder got in an argument because he called his music, you know, gross. And then Nikki Six said, well, your music's boring. And I was like, okay, this is the type of thing I can get behind, where these two guys are just giving each other a hard time over their music. Remember when that was just, your music's crap. No, your music's crap. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a refreshing argument because people aren't, like, putting their whole lives and souls and 
judging each other for eternity based on a decision. I mean, I do know some music snobs that might do that. But anyway, Galatians 3. Starts out pretty tough, almost as Galatians 1 did. Remember, we're going through a whole letter here, so let's just stay on that. But, um, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So, I mean, basically, when he says, who has bewitched you? In the New Living, I think it says, who's cast the spell on you? You know, who has cast this spell on you? Um... It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly executed and crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Now remember, he's just told the story about how he had to rebuke Peter publicly for not sitting with Gentiles and only sitting with the Jews. And there's this conflict right now of, between Jews and, and and the uh, Gentiles here that is uh, causing a huge conflict with the law and with, you know, do we go back to the law? Do the Gentiles need to come in and fulfill parts of the law? Um, I I'm going to stay away from the word galls today because I had a conversation with Steve about it and, and I haven't been able to double check this stuff on it. I'll let you guys know though, but um, I'm just trying to keep everything sharp until I can kind of get into it. Um, but one of the things is, so he, so, but he's angry. He's going, but I love that he says, you foolish Galatians. You know, he's talking to the whole group here, the whole community. Who has done this to you? You guys are confused. So he's not just saying, you foolish Judaizers. You know, he's not just saying, you foolish uh, Gentiles. You know, he's saying, you've got, you, this, you're a foolish community. What has happened to you guys? How have you gotten far from this? You know, because there's confusion going on. So who has cast this evil spell on you? So he asked, did you get this spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish, having started with the spirit, are you now ending it with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by you believing in what you heard? And I like this idea of believing what you heard because for a lot of us, I think it might be kind of like a, oh, you mean because they accepted Jesus as a personal Savior? But it's also believing what they heard that they are accepted that the spirit works amongst them outside of works, that they are accepted, that grace is true and real. So I really like that. And what I like about it is, you know, he's just saying like, you guys keep trying to go back and prove that you're better than each other by doing certain things. And, and it seems like here he's also talking to the Gentiles in a way in a way that that's saying like if this is getting to you shake shake it off you know don't let these lies get to you he's saying this to peter he's saying this is to james's group he's saying this to everybody he's like you know don't be fools don't throw this away 
That's very strong. I mean, you know, he ended uh, part two, or, <laughs> chapter two, which these weren't in chapters originally, but so it all makes a little bit more sense when we kind of take it as a whole letter, not just in pieces, but for our study, it helps to be in pieces. Uh, in 21, he ended in, in 221, I do not nullify the grace of God for justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You know, he's trying to, and I would even go further and say, then Christ lived for nothing. So, you know, his point here is, it's not about works. Now, this is the cool thing about grace and the cool thing about acceptance and the cool thing about burning the law down and destroying the law is that only when we have no law can we really fulfill the law. You know, only when we have no, these, no restrictions, only when we accept that we're accepted and are able to live within that are we able to get to a certain level. I remember in my sobriety when I thought God hated me because of my drinking and different things like that, I could not get that in my life. But when I went through this understanding grace and reading about grace, and it's so funny because I used to get really drunk and go to the bars and tell people about grace, which was, I was like the, the drunken master, the drunken pasta. <laughs> and, um, but I realized it didn't matter that I was accepted. Being, if I was drunk in a ditch or if I was, you know, preaching to the millions, that I was accepted just the way I was. And it was only at that moment where I was able to go like, oh, you know what? I'm miserable. I want to feel better. I want to enjoy life better. And what I'm doing right now to myself is not allowing me to enjoy life. I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now it wasn't about God. It was more about me changing to live a better life so I could talk better more about this kind of guy in of grace. It was transformative. But the funny thing is, is you kind of have to let all those rules and regulations, everything that we think is going to work, you kind of have to just let go, burn the whole system down, and just go, okay, I'm just going to be me. Uh, my mom's book, I got to be me. You know, it's just like, I got to be who I am, and I, I got to live my life um, knowing I'm accepted rather than trying to be accepted. You know, it's, it's, that's the difference is saying, well, I'm accepted. You know, I remember when I, I came out affirming and one of my board members told me that, God was against me. And I'd been reading a lot of Brennan Manning, so I just looked at him and said, no, 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 the Father is quite fond of me. And he actually kind of laughed and was pulled back by it. Um, I think I'd been waiting years to use that comeback. Um, never thinking anybody would tell me God was against me. Yeah, but then a lot of people did. And that's kind of a great place to kind of know where you stand. And when you know when you're standing, when you're not trying to be into this people-pleasing thing or even worse, God-pleasing moment, you know, you're not trying to, you know, I think often that my father built so much, built, built so many buildings and raised so much money and did all this stuff. Like, I remember we'd go to other mega churches and they just had a church and they had their little things and I was just like, oh, where's all the stuff? You know, where's all the other buildings, you know, and all the other things that you guys do? You just have a building? You know, but in some ways, I think it was that kind of that assemblies of God is, you know, you've got to do big things for God, great things for God. You've got to keep God happy. You don't want to lose your salvation. And so I think in some ways, those buildings were my dad's monuments to God saying, look, God, I, I'm doing all this work for you. Aren't, you know, will you love me now? Do you love me? Do you love me? You know, it was this constant thing of like, Religion in some ways stole my father away from me because he was so focused on 
doing big works for God. You know? It's like, yeah, we had a nice house, but he wasn't often there to enjoy it. <laughs> it was more like, I'm going to make a nice house for my kids and my wife so I can work really hard and do big things for God. And then there has to come a point where you realize you don't have to do big things for God. You don't have to do everything for God. And that's what I think, you know, there's other people. I mean, I think my dad thought, like, well, I'll have this place for unwed mothers. I have this place for prisoners. I have this place, you know, for the poor. And then we'll have this place for middle class. We'll have this place for rich people. We'll have this, you know, like everybody, you know, like the whole body is going to be covered. Everybody's going to be covered in this big thing I build and these big television shows. And, and uh, that happens to a lot of us. And I think that's what's happening to the Judaizers in some ways because they're going, this is the way we've known it and this is the way we've done it all our life and now you're telling us this isn't how to do it anymore? And you know how hard it is to break that type of uh, tradition in your life? You know, uh, it's almost a habit. You know, you've got this idea and then you go like, well, I've done all this stuff. And then you go like, well, you didn't have to. And you go, but I didn't have to. You know, there, there's regret, there's... I mean, I know for a lot of people when I, you know, I think it was hardest probably for people in, in, uh, in the reparative therapy type of ministries, you know, when I would go to them because they had so much to lose by me saying like, I don't think this is a sin and I want to talk to you about this. But for them, it was like, but I've already told all these people it's bad and I've already done this and I've already, you know, this is what I'm known for, like how can I just all of a sudden say I was wrong or it was a mistake or this wasn't what it meant? You know what I mean? It was like this kind of like, this is my identity, you know? And even when I was arguing with this guy recently on a podcast, it was almost like, you know, well, it was, he was a particular part of a particular type of denomination and group. And so that denomination becomes your identity and there's a list of rules and regulations that you've agreed to in a theology that you've agreed to that you have to think by, so you're stuck. You know, that's why I don't think I could ever join a denomination because I don't think there's anyone I could completely agree with and I don't think I'd ever start one because I don't want anybody to completely agree with me. Um, and so that's what you have happening here is these guys going like, you know, you're having a reformation happen. And in Reformation, often violence happens. And honestly, I think that's what Paul's really trying to do here is to keep these two groups from killing each other and to keep these two groups from really destroying each other's lives and um, showing us how we have to do community. But at the same time, you know, you think with an opening like, oh, foolish Galatians. Like, oh, how was that grace? You know? But sometimes that's what you have to... You, <laughs> Sometimes you have to hear tough stuff to wake you up. You know, I had um, um, somebody once, <laughs> I've had this happen a lot, but one particular one that sticks out to me is I wasn't letting somebody volunteer because I knew something about them and blah, blah, blah. And, and somebody told them that. One of my people who worked for me told me that. I'm glad they actually did because the person pulled me aside and goes, Jay, you know, you teach a lot about grace and love and acceptance and but you won't let me volunteer because of this, you know? And I think you're wrong, and this is why. And I was like, oh. I mean, it just felt like I was just punched in the chest because he was right, and I was wrong, and it was just, and I didn't put enough thought into it, and I wasn't 
being human about it and and I wasn't you know it was just something there I was like off the cuff decision that probably could have really destroyed somebody's life but instead they decided to confront me and when they confronted me you know they basically were saying you're being a hypocrite and it hurt like hell but it was true and so it woke me up a little bit and I said you're right and I'm sorry and we ended up fixing that friendship and working together um, so sometimes it takes those things so I'm not saying that they're not tough words, but it seems like right now we live in a world that's nothing but harsh words. You know, like hearing someone call you a fool doesn't seem that crazy anymore or that harsh or that wake-up moment. You know, it's like we almost have to think of different ways to communicate with each other because social media has robbed us of any, like, shock value or anything like that, you know. Um, I remember one time I was with this group of preachers at this thing called Red Letter Christians, and... And um, it was all these pastors, you know, working together in social justice issues and stuff. And they just weren't at the place where I thought they should be with the LGBTQ community. And so I was very passionate. And I said, there are kids killing themselves. There are people dying. And I had this pastor say, you can't do that. I don't know, what do you mean I can't do what? You can't say things like that. You're just trying to guilt us. We know that. That's an old preacher's trick. You can't, you can't use that argument here. And I said, that's bullshit. And I still agree that that's bullshit, um, to be honest with you, <laughs> because it's the truth. I'm like, I don't care what you think it's manipulative or not, or maybe you've used this type of thing to manipulate other people. I don't care. It's the truth. People are dying. And this is the hard facts, you know? So, you know, if this is, if this is making you uncomfortable, I'm not here. I'm not the one making you uncomfortable. It's just the truth is making you uncomfortable. And you're telling me that I can't go there because you don't like the way it makes you feel. Anyway, I feel like, I don't know why I shared with the location of where that happened, but I just feel like it's important that we all know, like, not everybody arrives at one moment, you know? We're all in different places, you know? But these guys have done a lot more work in social justice issues than I ever did, but here I was saying, like, oh, look at, you know. And uh, it was actually a good group, and it was a really hard conversation. Actually... You know, me being king of tough conversations, saying that, I'm not, because that was my last year, and I left, because I couldn't, I've, I felt like they weren't coming with me, and that probably might not have been the best decision to make, uh, with hindsight. I was just like, I gotta move on. Um, but maybe it was, but that's not today's talk. So, what you're doing here is you're seeing Paul is really trying to shake these guys, and saying, you know, you guys are foolish, be careful with each other, blah, blah, blah. Um... What's next? I love Paul's communication here. He goes, um, let's just jump in at five. Well then, does God supply you with the spirit and work uh, miracles among you by what you're doing and the works of the law or by you believing in what you heard? Six says, just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him, as righteous, so you see those who believe are descendants of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Now, 
One of the things I think is very interesting about this is that Abraham is about 430, 40 years prior to the law being given. And it's funny because I would actually use this in an argument with someone recently over atonement theory and, and, and why I said I feel like it's worthy of discussion because grace was, Abraham is the father of grace. And so maybe the question is, is if that was, he was made whole by his faith and, you know, what was, and we're going to talk more about that. I actually just bought a book on the atonement theory to kind of sharpen up on that so we can talk about it more soon and, you know, also keep myself uh, questioning things because I think that's important. Um, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey the things written in the book of the law. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the one who is righteous will not live for the one, I'm sorry, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. And what Paul is saying here is that if you're going to follow the law, you have to follow the whole law. It's not a pick or choose type of thing. It's not, well, now you just have to be circumcised and, and obey these uh, dietary laws. You know, he's saying, no, 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 no. We're not justified by that. It's all through grace. And he's saying, you know, if you want to be justified by the law, then you have to follow it to the letter. And no one can follow the law to the letter because all fall short. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus be a blessing to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's <sighs> a lot. Brothers and sisters, I give you an example from daily life. Once a person will have been ratified, no one adds to its annul. No one, <clears throat> no one adds to it or annuls it. Now the promise we are made to Abraham, to his offspring, it does not say and to, to offsprings, as of many, but it says and to your offspring. That is to one person who is Christ. The point is this: the law which came from him, which the law which came four hundred and thirty years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance comes from the law, it no longer comes from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So, you know, what he's trying to show is, is to the Judaizers, you know, like we're Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. Um... He's speaking to his community going like, guys, this is pre-law stuff. So this is, this is really your thing. And he's trying to say to the generals, hey, you guys are covered by something that's pre-law. I mean, he's talking to both groups at this point saying, grace has always been there. You know, Abraham was made righteous because he believed, not because of what he did or what he didn't do. Because if you follow, it's so interesting. Like if you go back and read those verses about Abraham, you'll have many descendants of the stars and he believes. And then the next second he doubts. And then he tries to make it come out by his own works. And he screws everything up. You know what I mean? So you don't have this perfect thing of where like grace just made everything boom 
boom, or faith just made boom, like all of a sudden he doubted and then tried to do it on his own. Because he thought, well, you know, I don't know if I can trust God. I'm a bit old to have children. I'm a bit due to do this. So, you know, maybe I should be with this person or do this. And maybe I should take on another wife and, and I can have children with her because she's younger. And, you know, so the whole thing goes awkward, goes crazy, goes upside down. I like Paul's revision of it because it seems really like this is Abraham has really got it together. But Abraham didn't even have it together. And that's the beautiful thing about grace. That's a beautiful thing about the situations that I mentioned in the beginning of all these people going like, oh, you're this. No, you're this. You know, it's like we're all complex human beings. We all have contradiction. Um, all of our stories are unique and different. You know, um, the father of faith had faith for about three seconds and then the next second doubted it. You know, doubt is part of faith. It's not the opposite of faith. It's an element of faith is what Paul Tillich says. Um, so in some ways, that contradiction of the doubt and the faith together become a higher truth. You see what I'm saying? That, um, that it's almost necessarily that that was part of his faith journey was is that he had to doubt in order to have it be real, you know, concrete. And that's an interesting way to think about it is how, what, what does the contradiction look like? The contradiction, hundreds of years later, it looks like this. It looks like Paul coming and saying, here's our father of faith, even though he had contradiction. Ultimately, he was still the father of faith because of those few moments of clarity that he had, um, even though he had other moments of non-clarity. And that's the problem is in, in today's world, in today's thinking, we always want to have... Um, We always want to have everybody be have their shit together, or we always want everybody to, like. Sometimes when I do talks, people, what about this? What about this? You know, it's like everybody wants every like the whole my whole theology represented within one talk. It'll never happen. You know, they want the perfect. Well, uh, you forgot. Of course, I forgot about that because that's not part of my talk today. You know, we want people to be like. You can be, you know, you can be frat, you can be imperfect to a certain extent, you know, I mean, like you can be rough and rugged and, you know, so the, the left has their side of like, well, we'll, we'll accept of, of people who are kind of messed up. But as soon as you think this way or don't do this or don't do that, you're out. And the right does the same thing. You know, well, as long as you're struggling or the conservative Christian, as long as it's a struggle and you're not giving in, you know, as long as you're struggling with it, you're okay. But as soon as you do it and you're okay about it, then you're out. You know what I mean? So both sides have their, their, their laws. And, and what Paul is trying to say here is that the law doesn't work. And in the beginning of Galatians, he says, you've created a new law. You've created a new gospel and a new thing like that. And that's what we continuously do is create these new laws, new gospels, and new ideas of who's in and who's out. You see what I'm saying? Rather than trying to figure out how do we have tough conversations. And that's what this whole freaking Galatians is about, is he's having a tough conversation, trying to prove himself. He's trying to get everybody else to have tough conversations so they don't kill each other. You know, he's really trying to work something out where people um, do what we try to do here at Revolution, and that is argue well, disagree well. Um, I swear, I might cut three and a half just because it's so long. Um, let's just try to jump into, uh, uh, we're getting close. Let's just try to, yeah, well, I think we can get through three. Why then the law? 
I love this because Paul is like anticipating their questions. And that's something I've always tried to do in my own speaking is try to be my, you know, a critic and, and think critically so I could have those questions and also so it helps me prepare and say something that I'm convicted about, but also so it prepares me to sometimes hit a question before it comes out, you know what I mean? Confront something that, that's going to be there and just go ahead and, and deal with it. And so he goes, well, then why was the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring would become to whom the promise had been made and it was ordained through angels by the mediator. Now, the mediator involves more than one part, but God is one. Is the law then opposed to the promise of God? Certainly not. For a law had been given that could make, uh, make us alive, then righteousness would, do, would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under power of sin, so that what was promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, I think we might have to come back to this and go through this. Maybe next week we might have to do that because I think I'd like to dissect that verse a little bit more because I think it's complicated. I think it's interesting. I think Paul might be reaching a little bit here, and I think it would be worth a discussion. Um, honestly, I'd like to do a, a, a video chat with you guys one day on Galatians or like maybe a few classes where we could like do like we could see each other and really hash this stuff out would be, would be something I'd like to do soon. 23 goes, Now, before faith came... We were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we no longer are subject to the disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Now, this is what I want to hit really hard here, is, is this. We were in protective custody, so to speak, okay? Under the law. That was the law. He's saying, you know, guys, we were under protective custody, but now that's over. We don't need it anymore. Uh, we're free from that. Here we are. We're all under grace. Jesus came and, and fulfilled the promise. Um, but, but watch this. You know, but when I, so here it says, imprisoned and guarded under the law until then would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian. Um, what I think a lot of us have done in this situation, I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to try to take more of a radical theological look at this or pyrotheology, uh, Pete calls it. That's always when I wind back out and go, bigger look, bigger picture. Um, for me is questioning is what does this say for us today? And what is this asking for us today? I feel like a lot of us is, have become uh, disciplinarians of our own dogmas, of our own convictions, of our own thoughts, um, uh, and this is why we're unable to. We're, we're, we don't like con we don't like we don't like conflict, but the problem is, is if we avoid conflict, often that just goes straight to war. I know I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I think my last marriage probably really suffered because I was trying to always just be a people pleaser and avoiding conflict. And then what happened is it goes straight to war and you're no longer married. Um, 
so what I want to ask you is, are you, are you becoming the guardian of the moral laws? Are you becoming guardians of the Democratic Party? Are you becoming guardians of the Republican Party? Are you becoming guardians of the Baptists or the Lutherans or uh, humanism or atheism or any, are you the guardian now of these issues and trying to keep people in protective custody, under your custody? Are you trying to be the disciplinarian? So are we all just become disciplinarians of our own laws that we have created that said you're in if you do this? Like, when I became LGBTQ affirming, I was out. And then a few years ago at Wild Goose, someone told me that people were protesting um, one of the speakers there because they hadn't come out as affirming and they were getting protested. Now, the first year I was there, I got in trouble because I talked too much about being affirming. But how it changed was is now it was more acceptable and more widely celebrated. Now these folks had become guardians of being affirming. So if this guy wasn't completely 100% affirming and maybe he wasn't there yet, maybe he was working on this, but this is a guy who does a lot of social justice work that made, would make me look like a lazy bastard. Good, good guy. Um, and he's getting protested by progressive Christians at a progressive festival, and he is super progressive. And I'm going like, oh, well, now we're guardians of the, now that's become law. Like, just in a few years, this guy's out now. When before it was that we were out, and now we're coming in and going, you're out. Do you see what I'm saying here? So, so this is why these are good conversations, tough conversations to have is because, um, you know, I also think like there are times where we have to speak up loudly like Paul does, you know, to Peter in front of people and says, you know, you can't say these, these people are included and not sit with them. You know, I think we have to speak out for un injustice. But I also think, like, following Dr. King's example of going, like, okay, these people are, are, are victims of their time, victims of misinformation, victims of tradition, and they need to be confronted, but we have to see them as victims and not as enemies, otherwise we're a chance at going at war. And often they did go to war with them only because they attacked him, not him attacking, attacking back. He would, you know, be bloodily beaten and bloodied by people because they hated so much that he just wouldn't fight back. You know, because he was, too, you know, he just recognized me as a human being. And so, obviously, I believe that stuff is very important for us to do. You see what I'm saying? Um, but it's tough. It's not easy. Um, anyhow, what I'm trying to say is, is what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do here is, is, is ask you all to look at yourself and ask yourselves, are you being disciplinaries? Are you, are you being the, the, the gatekeeper? You know, I remember when I first started speaking about grace, it was like, you know, there was grace, uh, grace monitors, you know, like hall monitors, like, oh, are you allowed to be here? Can I see your ticket? You know, I'm like, it's free, but we're, you know, we got in for free, but now we're looking for people who, who can earn their way in. Now we want to make sure they've earned their way in, even though we got in for free. Um, and, and it becomes extremely toxic place, right? Um, so, so what I'm just saying, you know, like, are we 
becoming legalistics, legalistic people? Are we becoming guardians of our own, our own law? Our own law that is, is, is so who's in, who's out, the same thing that they're dealing with here in Galatians, who belongs into Christianity or out with Christianity or who belongs in my group or who belongs, who can I spend time with, who can I talk to? Um, are we guardians? Because we shouldn't be that. Um, because it's judging. And we're sitting there on, on the judgment table saying, you're in, you're out. You're in, you're out, you know? And that's why I think it's interesting, like, um, to look deeper into situations. That's why I thought it was interesting to look into the Neil Young versus Joe Rogan situation, you know, and then realize, like, who Neil Young sold half of his music to. And the fact that he's never said, like, don't buy half of my music because I, the people who own it are bad people, you know. I don't, I'm not here to say that he's bad for that, but I'm also not, and I'm not going to defend Joe Rogan because that's not my guy either. But what I'm trying to say is, is, like, it was just more of a complicated situation, you know, there, there, there's more to it than what the media is telling us, what we're seeing and what we're doing. We're just kind of like just judging, boom, 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 guarding. Okay, he's in, he's out. And I watch people I love and respect, you know, decide, well, I'm going to throw this guy out completely and throw this, and this guy's in completely. And I'm going like, yeah, but do you know what this guy's supporting? In 10 years, his misinformation is not going to be as bad as still where the money is going here. You know? Um, there's just, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't have a whole lot of room to judge each other or to be the, the, uh, to be the disciplinarians because we all fall short. You know, there's a reason, you know, we, when you leave the church, a lot of people leave the church because of legalism. Some leave because of bad worship music. Some leave because the pastor didn't hang out with them enough. There are all sorts of different reasons why people leave the church. But I'd say the top, probably top reasons is, is, is this, is legalism or doubt. And, um, but often legalism just gets carried into the next situation because often is, is because we want a solid answer and legalism sometimes promises us rules and regulations will make us comfortable and give us a, a solid answer. And that's just really not how the world works, especially if you read philosophy. It just, it's, there's always going to run into contradictions. There's never going to be anything perfect. And you're going to realize that everybody's human. And, uh, you know, I mean, for example, like when, I, when I've in the past brought up Dr. King, not on Dr. King Day, you know, I've had people be like, oh, he was a communist or he was a socialist or, you know, he was a socialist. But, or, you know, he was a womanizer or he was an alcoholic. Or I bring up Paul Tillich. Oh, Paul Tillich, he loved pornography and he wasn't very nice to his feet. You know, I'm going like, yeah, these guys were human beings. You know, these guys were people. They, they did a lot of great things, but they were still messy human beings. And, and there's got to come a point where we stop being the guardians of the galaxy and the guardians of morality and the guardians of the kingdom of God. And we have to go like, all right, we're all human. And that's what a lot of us are finding out. I mean, why are some of my friends, you know, saying like, ah, you know, I'm in an open relationship or I'm doing things like that? Because they're going like, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to be in my life. This is, you know, but back then that wasn't, you know, that things weren't accepted. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying like times change, people change, people make mistakes. We reevaluate what sexuality looks like and what it's talked about, but we, then we kind of forget the past. Like for me, sometimes it's amazing how many people forget 
what it was like for uh, my good friend Steve to go through AIDS in the 80s. Like, you know, every, people forget what the fight for all those, those people who were dying of AIDS and how important the lesbian community was to them and what that bond brought. And, and that history is forgotten because so many of those people passed away from that time, so many men, and people are into another fight and then they forget that these guys suffered, we could learn from them. These people went through hell and were treated like, you know, put the scarlet letter on them and we could learn from them. Like, you know, it's, it's this idea that we always think that our generation's got it figured out, but we don't. And that's why I always liked about being part of Generation X is I've always felt like we always were the generation, one of the generations, not maybe all of us, but a lot of us in this generation, we're always like, I don't know. You know, we're just trying to figure it out, you know. Oh, you guys want to fight? Okay. <laughs> you know, um, the idea of just kind of listening, going through it. I, it was kind of a neat time to be alive and go through that with a particular generation that seemed a little bit more like open to doubts and questions of, of sacred cows and things like that. But I really do want to, what today is I'm just going to say like, no one's asking you to be a guardian you know, for a long time, I felt like that was my, 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 my role in my family's life, in the Baker life. I'll use myself as an example. I think that'll make it easier for you maybe to grasp what I'm trying to say here is, is that I had to defend my family. I had to defend them. And I had to almost be the Messiah, you know, the, uh, put on a badge and I'm the, you know, I'm going to protect them. And now I'm at a point in my life where I realize that, that was, some of that was a waste of the time and that's not my job and that's not what I'm called to do. Um, and you know, people are free to, free to have their opinions and think the way they want to think and that's okay. And then you get someone like uh, uh, John Ronson who comes out with this, you know, his When Things Fall Apart podcast on the BBC and does this thing on my mom and Steve's interview and like becomes the number one podcast in the UK and then that episode becomes the number one episode of that podcast, you know, and you're going like, oh, well, there's there. Or, you know, Jessica Chastain, even though the film wasn't perfect, you go, oh, you know, I've spent all my time trying to do this, you know, and sometimes it bites you in the ass. Um, I think it would just be a lot better if we were more open to conflict and we didn't throw everybody out. I mean, I think about like conversations I've been thrown out of because I have a different view because I, my parents were the pre preachers that got kicked out, not part of the community. You know, I mean, they were part of the community, but you know what I mean? They were the heads. And so when I, when I go in and I see people attacking preachers and, blah, 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 and I go like, oh, well, you know, as a kid of a preacher who had that happen to you, this is how I feel. And they've been like, you're not adding to this. You need to get out. And I remember one time had a therapist literally tell me I had to get out of, the, I needed to get out of the conversation because I was adding nothing to it. I would say that's probably not the best thing for someone to do and throw someone out because we're able to all see different perspectives and share these and then maybe humanize each other. But that wasn't the goal. The goal wasn't to humanize anyone. The goal was to scapegoat someone, shit on them and blame them for all the issues and then make this person feel better. And, you know, maybe that was what was needed at the time. But it was also on social media. So, you know, maybe that needed to be in a private conversation where... People like Jay Baker don't come in and go like, well, it's kind of tough for everybody. So if we want to see changes and see people change, we, we, we won't be afraid of conflict. We won't become, you know, the disciplinarians that, that, that Paul's talking about here. Now, this is going to be um, a tough, tough part. 
of, of, of the talk. This is the one people usually don't get comfortable with. And I had a... Um, I had a discussion about this verse the other day with somebody, and, and we'll talk about it for a second. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go a little bit over today, but not too much. I want to make sure you guys get to the to the cafeteria after Chervis. We're not going to beat the Baptists today. Um, As many of you are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ, 28 says, there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, and you all belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Um, I mean, so you could say there's no, there's, there, you know, there is no Neil Young and Joe Rogan supporters. There are no conservatives or Democrats. There are no alt-right or woke people or ultra-left, which I probably might be considered um, to be a leftist, I guess. Uh, there aren't, you know, I mean, like there's, because we're all one. And this is the one where people push back on, and I get it because a lot of us are very, our identities have been under attack for so long um, that it's hard not to be there. But I don't think he's saying give up, you know, the fight. But what he's saying is, is there is no hierarchy, there is no lowarchy. You know, like there's neither male, which was the hierarchy at the time, nor female, which was the lowarchy at the time. He's saying you are all one. No one is above, no one is below. It's, it's equality, really. So when we, um, when we talk to people, and then this is such a, this is such a hard road to navigate in this culture, in this time, um, because there's so many different types of situations that it's easy to get into, um, now, one of the guys who pushed back on me on this recently uh, said, well, Jay, you know, there was a prayer that said, thank, thank God I am not a, I am not, uh, you know, um, I am not Greek, and I am not a slave, and I am not a, ma- a female, you know, and that I am, you know, and that this was a kind of a play off that prayer that Paul was praying on. Now, the reason they said that to say, well, this is a pray, this is a playoff of a common prayer that was given, because they wanted to take out the power of the fact of saying, like, well, we we have to not, we our identity needs to be human, not built in these Greek or Jew. I mean, think about telling Jews and Greeks that you know there's neither Greek nor Jew. I mean, you've got now. I feel like at this point, the people in Galatians and the the, the Gentiles, I've called them the Gauls in the past, are like. Wait a second. They're no Greek. We we're Greek, and we have you know what I mean. Like wait, you know, we thought we were protecting us from the Judaizers, but now you're also stepping on our toes. With, you know what do you mean no, you know? And um, that, what do you mean no? And, you know, and the slaves are probably like, yeah, no slaves. You know, and, and the free people are like, what do you mean I'm equal with the slave? You know, what I mean, like everybody at this time has has got their own baggage and their own situation, and they're going like, what? I'm not. I'm not like a slave. I'm not like a woman. I'm not like a Gentile. Those filthy 
sinners. I was born God's chosen. And the, and then the you know the Gentiles are going like, well, we're Greek and you know, that's pretty great, but you know you're also saying that these guys are these are supposed to be chosen, but now we're all one. And that's what's being said. And I think we can often allow our identities to get in the way, but. The reason I, I tread so lightly on this is because I, I recognize that I am a white heterosexual male saying this, you know. Um, but I also know that I'm quoting, you know, a Jewish rabbi who's trying to, or a Christian Jewish rabbi who's trying to bring a community together as well and not have them kill each other. Um, well, I... And also, I've seen conservatives be afraid that this will be like, oh, then that means you can, you know, people have been like, well, this one means you can be gay because there's neither male nor female, you know, and then people talk about that, and they get, and that's why they go into that. Well, it was an old prayer, and Paul's just saying this and that. Um, but listen to this. There is neither. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. So, obviously, that's not a literal statement because the Jewish people are still Jewish, you know, Males are still males. Females are still females at this point. But what he's saying is the hierarchy is gone. There is no hierarchy in Christianity. And there is no lowarchy in Christianity. And to play these things against each other in the faith of Christianity is not correct. This is not how we should play each other in Christianity. Um, we should be willing to have human conversations. So, I mean, when you look at people like Dr. King, Dr. King wasn't saying, I want special treatment. Dr. King was just saying, like, I just want to sit at a lunch counter. I want to have the same voting rights. I just want equality, you know? Um, and that's what they're looking for. But there's, there's a lot of deeper truths around this stuff that's hard to argue with and hard to battle with. And, 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 and we're all different folks. We're all different wounded people. We've all been through hell and back in different areas of our lives. And some of us based on our identities. And so our identities become very sacred to us. Um, but what it is, is I think not allowing your identity to become all of you, you know, and not allowing that to be something that causes you to rule over someone else and that we try to find an equal place. And I've seen it on both sides, you know, where I've seen white supremacists, I've seen use, use this horrible, you know, do what they do. And we've seen it in our American society with, with work and, and different things like that. But we've also seen, like, I've, I've seen situations where people have gone into conversations and uh, one of my friends uh, in the past was accused of being uh, racist because of the way he talked to somebody. And so afterwards I went and said, listen to the person who, who said this. I said, I don't, to, he says, oh, well, how, how dare he talk to me like that? You know, he's a racist. And I said, uh, I said, uh, he's not racist um at least not that i know of i mean i'm sure these got issues he deals with like every other human being does but he was talking to you like he would talk to anybody else and the situation was is that i feel like maybe sometime this person just wasn't used to being in a really big argument with a type a guy and i said listen i said it's not that he's racist that he's an asshole and i said we've had similar conversations and he said similar things to me before and I said, you know, let's have this conversation. Now, I got in trouble because someone said, how dare you say this to this person that he's not, you know, and they offended them and blah, blah, blah. And I just said, you know, 
that's, that was a hard conversation to have. And it wasn't, it wasn't something that felt great, but at the same time, I felt like I needed to go and say, you know, this is just how some people treat other people, and it wasn't based on this. Now, that was one situation, so don't please judge me on that one situation for the rest of my life. Um, was I right or wrong? I, I, I think I was in the right place. I think a lot of good, tough conversations came out of it, and I think we all grew out of that conversation as better, you know. Um, but it was tough. And I don't think I would do I would be afraid to do that today in today's climate, is to go up to somebody and say, oh, I don't think my friend was being, you know, hating you for the color of your skin. I think my friend just didn't like your theology and was just pushing back on your theology. And he's kind of a jerk when he does that and comes off kind of hot-headed, you know. Um, and so I think one of those things is, is, is that we have to, to navigate how we treat each other and how others treat each other. And so it's always hard to tell, you know, is this person, when you've been treated so horribly for your sexuality or for your, your race or for your religion, you know, is it, it's hard to tell when people are, are being straight with you. You know, it's a hard conversation to have. You know, when heterosexists come in and say this or that, or uh, I don't know. As a white male, heterosexual white male, this is not probably my place to really even talk about it that as much. So that's the best I can give you is my example. Now, have, have I suffered? Have I had been made fun of my whole life when I was a kid? Yes. Did I fight? Through life? Yes. Did people hate me because something that I had nothing to do with? Yes. Uh, have I been bullied? Yes. So, so my empathy can go to a certain extent. You know, did I sit through my dad's prison uh, time together? Yes. Um, do I know what it's like to be poor? Yes. Um, but I don't have, I haven't suffered everything. And that's why this community is really great and, um, and tough. But that's, I hate even bringing up the examples, but it's the, the reason that we're here is so we can have these tough conversations and go, okay, if Christianity is about giving up our identities, what does that mean? What do we hold on to after that? What about us do we care, hold on to? And we have those tough conversations. Um, and I think a lot of you guys are having that conversation right now in the, in, 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 with the community in, in the message board, which is great, because I've looked down at the message a few times and seen some of you guys talk to each other. And, uh, you know, and I, I just like what uh, lay down, uh, Zoe's saying, I believe this verse calls us to lay down our privilege of our identities. We do, yeah, we do lay down our privilege of our identities. And we also kind of have to recognize where that privilege is sometimes, you know. Um, because now in today's culture, privilege is in different places and different, you know what I mean? You've got these like different communities have different privilege. And so... Um, when we walk into those communities, we recognize that, and that we don't, here is a fact, is that we don't allow the identity to be what we're gonna judge each other on. I don't even think we should be have, like if someone wears a shirt that says, well, I'm a Republican, and someone wears a shirt that says, I'm a Democrat, I mean, I, you know, we automatically judge there, honestly. So I don't even know if we're ready for that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, fail or male, female. We already judge each other. We already go, oh, they're the piece of shit. And then it's always the people who are judging us that we want to say, oh, those are the people in power, you know? 
And problem is, is I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a day and an age where when I grew up, it seemed like all the conservatives had the power to destroy you. And now it seems I'm in a, in a world where mostly liberals have the choice to destroy you, you know, can destroy you. I mean, look at the bat. That's why I brought up the Joe Rogan, uh, Neil Young thing. It's because it's interesting because you feel like you have two different people here, but they're not really that different. It's like Republican and Democrat. They're, they have a few differences, but, uh, but, they're, but they're both kind of screwed up systems and, and full of screwed up people and, 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 and focused on greed and, and, and money, you know? So... So I guess what we just say is we don't make anybody a savior and uh, we don't make anybody the devil based on, on identity, identity politics. Um, that we try to figure this out in a genuine human way of understanding each other and that we try to accept each other completely and have the tough conversations. And... And we learn to be respectful. I think that's what the great thing is that the hierarchy is he's saying, treat each other with mutual respect. And I think we can get this out of that there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave or free. He's saying, you know, all right, you slave owners, guess what? You got to treat your slaves with mutual respect, the same respect you would treat anybody else, you know, and, and kind of that means you should probably let them go. You know what I mean? And you guys who are slaves probably shouldn't show up in the middle of the night and kill them and get revenge. You know what I mean? It's like, they're, they're, you know, Guess what? Females can be leaders. Males can be leaders. I mean, that's what's happening here is he's saying, like, females are apostles too. I mean, I think if we look deeper into the Bible, we'll see that there were female apostles and female disciples um, that were just ignored. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's saying, like, we're all here. Um, but we don't see it that way. And I think if you, if you take your enemies sometimes and, and you go look at your enemies and you might think your enemy's here, like let's just say uh, Jeff Bezos is your enemy. Of course, it looks like he's here. But you have to go like, I'm here. He's just a guy. President, eh, just a guy. Your boss, just a guy. <laughs> just a gal. You know, this person, just, you know, and you start to go and you start to see things that way. So for me, what that's helped me do is equal the playing field in certain areas of my life and hierarchy and lowarchy has allowed me to brush off when, like this the other day, I had this guy who has a doctorate in theology, like arguing with me, and I am all self-taught. You know what? And I just didn't care because that degree meant nothing to me because I've studied so much myself that I go like, I feel like I can handle this conversation. Now, if it was a conversation about philosophy, I would be like, oh, talk to my friend Pete. Uh, but it was, it was, you know, um, it was, you know, I love talking about the Bible. I've studied the Bible inside and out, and I was able to have the tough conversations about the scriptures and about theology. I one time someone put a, a, on a poster once uh, under my picture, theologian, and, and I just put the poster up online just to promote this event, and everybody was like, you're not a real theologian, and you blah, 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 blah. And man, I felt bad. I'm like, oh, I'll ask him to take it off, and I'm sorry, you're right, I didn't go to school for that. But I can handle my own with a theologian, so if you're a theologian or not a theologian, we are all still one in Christ, and we can still have really tough conversations. Now, when I had this argument with a theologian, guess what? I did go order a book about what we talked about because I was like, you know what? I just want to sharpen my skills up on this because, you know, he had some points that I, sh I would like to take a look at. You know, I'm not afraid to learn from those situations. And so I guess that's what I, I want to encourage us to do is not be guardians of our stuff, 
but to have these tough conversations and even sometimes realize, you know what, I might need to learn more because they might know a little bit more than me. And at least it leads to us having conversations. Even like Pete's been talking about, like even like conspiracy theorists say these crazy things, but often it leads to conversation that is uh, constructive. Um, like, for example, like the, you know, Neil Young and Joe Rogan thing, you know, it leads to constructive conversations. You know, what were we saying about the virus three years ago? What are we saying, or two years ago? What are we saying about it now, you know? How do artists, you know, I didn't know that supporting artists, I could be supporting corporations. I thought, well, maybe Sony or music corporations, but not like land owning operate. You know what I mean? So I've learned a lot from these situations when we sometimes disagree with each other. Um, anyway, maybe that's utopian thinking. Is Paul a utopian thinker? This is tough stuff, guys. This is why I like Galatians, because it challenges me, too. Because, uh, you know, as someone who's full of a lot of self-doubt and a lot of depression, it's hard to sometimes think, oh, i got to check my privilege, because it doesn't feel like I have a lot, but I'm sure there is a plenty of privilege that I, I don't see a lot of because I spend a lot of time by myself. And when I do see it, I would definitely put it, do de I definitely do put it in check. If I ever see anybody liking me because I'm, hey, that's mighty wide of you, I would just knock them out. Not really. I would have a hard conversation and then knock them out. Um, but yeah. So guys, I'm off Diet Coke. I could ramble for hours because I'm tired and I need some caffeine. But this is the good news. We're all offsprings of Abraham, male, female. So you can go tell your, you can go tell your, um, your Calvinist friends that women can be in leadership because we're all one in Christ and see how they dance on that one. Um, and then tell them that if you're like me, then you'll just say, oh, no, the pastoral epistles, those are all forgeries, so I won't argue with those. And then they go, oh, how do you believe that? And watch your head explode. Um, so there you go, guys. But I'm still one in Christ with my neo-Calvinist brothers and sisters and my atheist brothers and sisters and my atheist brothers and sisters. And all y'all, um, let's just live life well. Try to treat each other well, I guess, is the basic message here is don't bite and devour each other because that's what we're going to get into next week is Paul just being like, come on, guys, don't destroy each other over this shit. It's tearing you apart as a community that you're so focused on your identities and your traditions that they've become more important than the other person. And I think that's what we have to see is, is our identity and our traditions uh, and ourselves more important than the other to the point where we would allow the other to be destroyed rather than um, um, restore them. So, love you guys, appreciate you guys. Um, I love Thomas's stuff here. I always, I always kind of ignore it because some of it's so deep. Oh, interesting talking about the forgery question in detail. Okay, Thomas, we will. We definitely will. I, I'd love to. Um, I've got some really good books on it. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> so then you can't blame me. Just I read the wrong book, maybe. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, Lots of grace to you guys. If you can't support what we're doing, honestly, right now, giving is, is way down. 
Um, and we really could use your support. Uh, I understand life is tough for everybody. Um, but if you have a few extra dollars and you love the work that Revolution's doing, we would do more work if we had uh, a bigger budget. Um, and maybe we can also set up, you know, I, I'm really wanting to set up classes. Uh, the thing is I'm working with Josh, me and Josh are working on it, but it's just me and Josh now. And, and we're trying to set up some ideas. So maybe we could do a thing on the pastoral epistles and maybe we could, you know, do a more of a open discussion where we could hear each other's voices to talk about Galatians. I'd really like to do that. So maybe try to set up a few more classes. Um, but yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you for your support. Thanks for understanding when I need to be a dad. You guys are great. Thanks for having the tough conversations down there. That, I'm impressed. And to me, that makes me feel like we're doing the right thing. We're on the right road. See you guys. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.